Prepare yourself for a harrowing journey into the shadowy depths of a case that captured international attention and left the community grappling with the tragic unraveling of events. Welcome to the enigmatic and chilling case of Wari Narai. A chance encounter on Tinder brought Wari Nine to contact with a man whose intentions would shatter the boundaries of trust and plunge her into a nightmare from which she would never wake. Unbeknownst to her, this rendezvous would become a twisted dance of power, control, and the darkest of desires. As the investigation unfolded, a tale of contradictions and murky motives emerged. The once promising bond between Wari Na and her companion transformed into a haunting labyrinth of unanswered questions. Their fateful meeting within the confines of a high-rise apartment would bear witness to the tragic and fatal descent into chaos. Forensic experts meticulously combed through the evidence, examining every fragment, every trace left behind. The haunting audio recordings of their interactions echoed the chilling dynamics at play a battle for dominance, cries for help, and the haunting final moments that sealed Warina's fate. Join me, dear audience, as we navigate the treacherous corridors of the Warinarite case. Peel back the layers of manipulation, uncover the elusive truth, and bear witness to the devastating consequences of a meeting that would forever alter the lives of those involved. In this chilling exploration, may we find solace for a soul silenced too soon and shed light on the darkest corners of humanity. Our investigation for today moves to a new country first and foremost, the Philippines. The Philippines, which are situated just a little bit north of the equator, are famous for their plethora of beaches and delectable fruit, and the country as a whole is comprised of a whopping 7,641 individual islands. Wari Narai was born on May 20, 1988, in the province of Balakam in the Philippines, which is located approximately 35 kilometers north of Manila and is recognized as one of the Philippines' most historically significant regions. Wari Narai and her younger sister Marissa went with their mother Merzabeth when she moved to Wellington, New Zealand, when Wari Narai was just one year old. The city is known for its laid-back lifestyle, but Warina's mother Merzabuth uprooted the family when she did so. Both of the sisters had a very normal and happy childhood, and as they got older, their friendship developed into one of the closest possible, and they eventually became the best of friends. The prankster Warina was said to have a warm heart for the animals that he cared for. She was attractive, smart and caring all at the same time. Her sister said that in addition to being a responsible best friend, she was also able to make some of the funniest jokes in the area. 2014 marked the beginning of the 26th year of Warina's life. She was employed by Kiwi Bank's credit card business when we met her there. And even if it didn't pay her in diamonds, it wasn't a terrible deal by any stretch of the imagination. She had actually amassed sufficient funds to enable her to take a leave of absence from her job and go to Australia. 
her acquaintance, whom she had first become acquainted with at one of her former jobs, was about to get married. And the ceremony was going to take place in the city of Gold Coast, which is situated to the south of Brisbane. And considering that July falls smack dab in the heart of New Zealand's winter, what's the big deal? The Gold Coast lives up to its name in every possible way. It seemed certain that she would have a good time outside in the warmer sun with her pals. As a consequence of this, on the 24th of July 2019, she packed her belongings, said goodbye to her family and friends in Lower Hut, and boarded a plane bound for Australia. The Gold Coast is a fascinating part of the world. The majority of individuals find it to be an alluring area that resembles a sun-drenched paradise. A metropolis that has more than 60 kilometers of Golden Beach as its backbone. On the other side of the river are dozens of inland canals that wind their way through pristine high-rise buildings. There are also beach bars, water skis, and water parks to choose from. And if all of that weren't enough, there's also a theme park there for you to enjoy. And if you just want to kick back and relax, there are lots of places where you can go swimming or sunbathing. Therefore, it should not have come as a surprise that Warina's friend made the decision to hold her wedding on the Gold Coast. The time for celebration came and went, and by the following Sunday, August 6, the ceremony itself was finished. However, the holiday was not enjoyable for Warina. She came to the conclusion that the best way to enjoy the Samarshan sun was to spend some additional time at the resort with her friend Savannah Lisa. During the subsequent two days, Warina and Savannah spent their time hanging out on the beaches and in bars, taking selfies, and cruising around the city. And it was during her time on the Gold Coast that Warina began using Tinder an app that is supposed to help adults meet new people and form romantic relationships. Whether it be for the purpose of talking, having beverages, or something else entirely, a man called Gable Tosti was the recipient of her right swipe on August 1st, and he liked her profile just as much as she liked his. They stayed in touch often throughout the next few days, all the way up to the 7th of August. At first, their interactions consisted solely of light-hearted banter, but they soon progressed into more serious debates. There are rumors that Gable was a handsome young man. He had a magnetic personality and exuded charisma. And finally, he could have been an actor on one of her favorite television shows based on the way he looked. She liked him and it was fairly clear from the messages that he was sending her back that he liked her as well since he was doing the same thing. They arranged to meet on the evening of August 7 for some drinks, with the possibility of heading back to Gable's house afterward to see where things went from there. Messages between the two were going well, so they made the decision. It was his suggestion that they get together close to the intersection of Cavell Avenue and Warina. Cavell Avenue is located in the center of the tourist district on the Gold Coast. It was accepted. 
Street security cameras showed Wari Knott and Gable chatting in front of a surf shop around 8.45 p.m. On the date in question, before turning around and heading back towards Cavill Avenue, the two uncomfortably hugged one another. They arrived at the Surfer's Paradise Tavern Beer Garden three minutes later, at 8.48 o'clock in the evening. However, it would appear that the two of them made a decision to go in a different direction because they left just three minutes later. They then proceeded to walk to a bottle shop located nearby, where they purchased a six-pack of beer. And not much later than that, she arrived at Gable's residence. Gable called the Avalon Riverfront Apartments Complex, which is located smack dab in the midst of the city, his home. You would imagine that, given the apartment, Gable is the kind of man who puts in a lot of effort and is respected in his community. You wouldn't be the only person to make such an assumption because, from the outside, it did appear to be that way. Hair that is neatly maintained, teeth that are pearly white, and a body that has been toned and tanned. However, Gable did have a history. Gable entered the world in 1986 in Australia, making him a resident of the area. Having two parents who love each other, he received excellent care as a young child. But throughout his adolescence, people frequently commented on how uncomfortable he was. And as he got older, he would also get in trouble with the law on multiple occasions. Gable's early teenage years were marked by the development of an uncontrollable relationship with alcohol, during which he habitually consumed quantities of alcohol that exceeded safe limits and got into a variety of minor misdemeanors. And in 2005, at the age of 18, that trouble would escalate to a higher level. Gable was found to be the brains of a forgerous scam that earned him and two friends a combined total of more than $30,000 in profit. The three individuals had, between them, produced and sold phony identification cards to minors under the age of majority throughout the school year so that the minors could enter hotels. As a result of this, it was discovered that he was also involved in the counterfeiting of banknotes. Nevertheless, the judge just issued a warning to him for his offenses and did not convict him of any of them. Later on, in 2011, Gable was busted for driving while under the influence of alcohol, which resulted in him receiving a heavy fine and having his driver's license suspended for a period of 10 months. However, he was able to avoid going to jail. And about two weeks before he was scheduled to see Warina at three in the morning, he did so in the middle of July. On the Pacific Highway in the morning, the law enforcement officers saw Ford Falcon doing roughly 100 miles per hour without any number plates. Gable was both the owner of the Ford Falcon and the driver of his own vehicle. It turned out that he had just gotten back from the splendor in the grass music festival that was held in Barron Bay, and he was on his way back to his flat in Gold Coast when the cops saw that he was driving too fast. After the police began their pursuit, Gable made every effort to get away from them, even going as fast as 130 miles per hour at one point. 
After that, the police saw Spikes down on the road in an attempt to explode his tires, but he tried to get away even when they were on his rims. When the police finally caught up with him, they discovered that he had exceeded the legal limit for alcohol consumption while driving by a factor of four. He was released on bail, and while he was out, he kept living the life that most people lead every day. Gable worked as a carpet fitter in the area. It wasn't anything exciting, but it got the job done and paid the bills. Because of his unusual behavior, he was actually kicked out of multiple establishments. After the manager of Sin City witnessed him following young women around and freaking them out, he issued a lifetime ban on his entry into the establishment. Gable also had a peculiar fixation with recording himself, which meant that he frequently made recordings of his evenings spent with various ladies. Additionally, he outfitted his home with cameras that triggered when motion was detected, and he was known to keep his phone recording even when he was in the company of others. Additionally, he maintained a written log within the confines of his house. The book that Warina writes about, which regrettably was supposed to be the next one in the series and which is filled with the dates and names of the women he had been with, was not scheduled to be written. Surveillance cameras filmed Warina and Gable as they approached the elevator in the apartment building where Gable lived at 8.58 p.m. Gable's home was situated on the 14th floor, which gave him a commanding view of the city below. And despite the fact that it wasn't very big, his apartment was rather roomy. It included one bedroom in addition to a living room that was a comfortable size and that led out onto a balcony. Beer was the first beverage enjoyed by the newly made bodies as the evening got underway. And because Gable is Gable, he was actually sneaking around and taping that evening as well. However, there was one more shock in store for us throughout the night. There was no way that two people could get through a six-pack of beer between them. As a result, Gable presented his homemade vodka, which was also referred to as moonshine. They would wind up getting to an extremely inebriated state between the two of them. They carried on drinking, took selfies with each other on the balcony, and eventually engaged in sexual activity together. However, not long after that, things began to take an increasingly hostile turn. What does it look like? Is it in that location? The Apple iPhone. Shit. Do you want me to ring it for you right now? Yes. So long as you don't stop fucking ringing the bell. I need to know the number. I will track it down. Yeah. Warina was a diminutive woman. Especially when compared to Gable. Because of this, when the two began drinking moonshine together, she inadvertently drank more than she was able to tolerate at the time. You're going to have to F asterisk CK right there. Look, because I will not only break, but completely shatter your jaw. It's not a joke at all. I don't deserve this crap. Can we just agree on that? I'm a decent person, but I've had a few too many drinks. Is that okay with you? I'm just coming down from my high after having a lot to drink 
and finding out that I have a lot of money in New Zealand. It is not about the money. Warina began to throw ornamental rocks at Gable while under the influence of alcohol brought on by the unexpected potency of his vodka. That shouldn't be eaten because it turns out to be a rock. Ow, ow. What? And as the seconds turned into minutes, Gable's irritation level continued to rise. You can see why I assumed you were joking, but I've had enough of this. This is complete hogwash. You should count yourself lucky that I haven't thrown you off my balcony yet. I'm going to give up on you, you goddamn clairvoyant little child. I'm going to show you the door and then leave you here in whatever state you're in. Do you realize that I will knock you out if you make any attempt to pull anything? Get up. Get up. Get up. After that, Cable dragged Warina out of his chamber against his will. However, rather than leading her to the front door, she was escorted out onto the balcony and then locked outside of the building from the inside. It is evident from the audio that she was afraid on stage and she was also in an impaired state as a result of the drink. As a result, without using any good judgment, Warina then climbed the rail of Gable's balcony, and then she went over the rail while attempting to get to the apartment below, and she slipped and fell. Incurred a terrible fall of 14 stories. She fell to the ground, and as a result of the impact, she died instantly. Within 30 seconds of her passing, Gable recognized that she had passed out, and his phone was still recording at the time. This moment was documented. The first call that Gable made on the phone that day came in at 222 minutes in the morning. That call wasn't placed to the police. Rather, it was placed to his attorney's office. Hello, the person you called is now unable to take your call. Due to the fact that it was still early in the morning, the phone was not picked up. Thus, we will send the message as a text. At 2.26 a.m., a surveillance camera records Gable leaving his apartment and descending to the ground floor of his building via the elevator just five minutes after Wari Nye seemed to have been fatally injured. As soon as he saw the emergency services outside the front door, he decided to turn around and exit through the underground car park. He continued to video on his phone as he walked down the main strip of the Gold Coast before sitting down to eat pizza. Soon after that, Gable gives his father a call and informs him of the news before inquiring as to whether or not he might come pick him up. Gable's father is taken aback, but in the end, he makes the decision to retrieve his son. After that, they return to the fenced-in yard where their family resides. The news of Warina's passing had already made its way to the local media by the early hours of the morning. Tragically, the circumstances surrounding her fall would be impossible to piece together. Because her body had suffered so much harm as a result of the fall, it was difficult for pathologists to determine how tall the victim had been. Gable was originally nowhere to be found, 
but a blood alcohol test revealed that she had a blood alcohol level of 0.156, which is more than three times the legal limit for driving after consuming alcohol. That is, until later that afternoon, when he showed up at a nearby police station with his attorney to report the incident. He made the decision to use his right to remain silent, but he did consent to undergo forensic testing. Within a few days, Wari now was officially identified, and the police confiscated Gable's audio recordings. Then, in an unexpected turn of circumstances, Gable Tosti was officially charged with the murder of Wari now one week after her death. This occurred exactly one week after Wari now passed away. Gable was victimized by other inmates when he was incarcerated. Nevertheless, his time spent behind bars would be cut short since only three months later, he was granted bail and was able to leave prison on a $200,000 bond. Surety, Gable was prohibited from drinking beer, from using Tinder, from engaging in activities related to social media, and from stepping foot outside of his parents' home after six o'clock. But that did not prevent him from bragging about his time spent on the golf course, which he would continue to do to a significant degree over the course of the following few months. Even just a few days before his trial was scheduled, he posed for photographs. And Gable's case would finally go to trial in October of 2016, after a long delay. However, such a proceeding would be muddled and difficult. The prosecution stated that Gable had left the arena in such a state of terror and intimidation that she believed the only way to escape was by going over the railing of his balcony after he had locked her outside. This was done after the defendant had locked her outside. However, defense attorneys claimed that Gable had used an appropriate amount of force to restrain Warina who had been increasingly irrational after consuming alcohol for a prolonged period of time. And smack dab in the center of the trial would come the playback of Gable's recording, which would serve as evidence that he was not on the balcony at the time that she fell out. But he did bring up an aggressive discussion that Gable had with her and even his earlier threats, telling her that it was a miracle that she hadn't been tossed off the balcony already. The trial against Gable would last for six days, and the deliberations of the jury, which consisted of six men and six women, would take another four days. However, once everything was said and done, they would render a decision. They decided that Gable Tosti was not responsible for the murder of Wari Narite and that he was also not responsible for man's altar. At the end of the trial, it was determined that Wari not had fallen due to her own free choice, and that Gable had not been a significant contributor to her conduct in any way. He was granted legal freedom and allowed to go free. Despite being set free, Gable Tosti, now going by the name Derek Thomas, has taken to social media to vent his frustrations. This comes shortly after he vented his anger over feminist inequity and the unfairness he was subjected to, both of which were ultimately proven to be unfounded. However, 
He also contributed to the story's continuation in the headlines by agreeing to repeated interviews with a variety of Australian news websites, for which he was paid up to $250,000 per contract. And while the media circus continued for Gable and his newfound popularity, the family and friends of Wari Na continued to suffer in silence despite the attention that was being paid to them. Gable has been vindicated beyond all reasonable doubt in the eyes of the legal system in Australia. But regardless of what the conclusion of Gable's case might have been, there is nothing that can bring Wari Na back to her adoring family and friends. She was held responsible for a lot of things, but she was never given the opportunity to defend herself for the things that she had done. Nobody can ever know or fully grasp what was going through her mind in those last few fleeting seconds of her life. On the morning of the tragic event, there is no question in anyone's mind that she was petrified for her life. And despite the fact that she was intoxicated, it is extremely possible that she had no idea how much alcohol she had consumed from the homemade vodka. Warina was vulnerable to the unfamiliar atmosphere around her since she had been caught off guard and was severely intoxicated. She had no chance to think clearly or with clear reason because she was in this state. One setting that, in the end, resulted in her being imprisoned on a balcony that was located 14 stories up. And Warina wasn't just another person who fell prey to her misfortune. It is important that she be remembered for all of the other things she was. It was said that she was the kind of person who made the world a happier place for everyone else by simply being in it. She possessed an eccentric sense of humor, perfectly balanced by her boundless generosity, making her an extraordinary friend. Her legacy will be forever marked by the countless acts of kindness and thoughtfulness she bestowed upon her loved ones and those within her circle. As for Gable, I leave it to your discernment to form your own conclusions about his role in this intricate investigation. I am eager to hear your thoughts on Gable's involvement. Your insights hold immense value, and I encourage you to share them in the comments below. This matter has generated a division of opinions, with perspectives evenly split. It remains a mystery that invites speculation and interpretation. I extend my deepest gratitude for the time you have dedicated today. I sincerely hope that you found this situation intriguing. If so, I kindly request that you express your appreciation with a thumbs up. And if you haven't already done so, Please remember to subscribe to our newsletter. To everyone who has joined us today, I offer my heartfelt gratitude and rest assured that I will be eagerly awaiting our next encounter. However, until that time arrives, let us remain vigilant and watch out for one another. As we bid farewell, let us continue our journey together.